Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next edition of the Sports Pro Stream Time podcast. It's always special when I get to spend time with Nick, but today's a little bit different. Not only are we not doing this virtually from our, our living rooms, our, our man caves, whichever room we might be recording from, we're actually in person. But not only are we in person, you know, where are we today, Nick? What's special about today? You've got a man cave? Hang on. I've, I've definitely got the raw end of the deal at my house. My uh, my wife makes sure everything I've got is either a kid's, kid's play space or uh, or her little piano room or whatever she wants it to be. So you're, you've already got uh, a self in a better situ- situation than I do. But yeah, we're at F1's uh, headquarters in, in London. Uh, you know, F1 is obviously a, a business that's always talked about quite heavily, but in particular, some of the the big deals, the innovations, the, the I guess the the way they're setting the the industry alight with the sort of the innovation they're bringing into their organisation. So it's a a good space to be, uh, and pretty excited to be able to speak with our guest. Absolutely, and we're joined by Ian Holmes. Ian, maybe just for some of our people that uh, maybe aren't as familiar, you know, we we've had you speak at a couple of our events recently, but just give everybody else that's listening to the podcast just a bit of your background here and what you're doing at Formula One. Sure. Thanks, Chris. And hello, Nick. Yeah, so I've been at Formula One for um, all of 21 years. Um, so that obviously encapsulates the time, uh, approximately 15 years or so, working for a certain uh, Mr. Uh, Bernard Charles Eccleston. Um, and then obviously more recently, since, uh, since they acquired the business with um, Liberty Media, um, I ostensibly run the media rights um, division, uh, which in broad, it used to be called the TV, TV rights Um that in itself, I guess, is demonstration of how things have uh, morphed and continue to change. But uh, yeah, my, my, my core role is selling Formula One rights uh, to different broadcasters, channels, platforms, streamers um, around the world. Over and on top of that, um, I uh, more recently oversee um, some of our original content. Um, I look after our OTT product, F1 TV, uh, both pro and access, um, which again is a, is, is a new uh, a new a new product for us and um yeah try and try and generate interest sell our rights and um generate revenue let's face it for uh, for the formula one business yeah well it's definitely formula one is someone we've talked about quite a bit um actually in the episode that is coming out this morning if we're looking into the future when this will come out we actually just recently spoke about the sky sports deal or the extension i should say uh before we get into that talking about the present talking about the future you did mention previously working for mr eccleston you know for us you know maybe give us a little background on sort of how you've seen formula one transform over those years sort of kind of pre and post uh, Liberty getting involved, sort of how you've seen the transformation game you've been here for 21 years? Yeah, look, I think there's a, there's a lot of um, lot of myths, stories, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, ostensibly, we, we I think, commercialized the business extraordinarily successful. And when I say we, um, clearly Bernie was the major part of that. Uh, and what he managed to construct and, and, and commercialize um, is little short of uh, miraculous. He controlled everything he was able to recognize that the vast majority of opportunities came from a relatively small number of deals whether that be sponsorship deals whether it be broadcast deals uh, promoter contracts it is true to say we were we were a, a compact um, company um, there weren't many of us and, and 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 this is I guess what's been reported or talked about shall I say um, certainly since Liberty uh, bought the business, is that, um, yeah, we were under-resourced. And I think it's fair to say towards the end of end, end of that time, pre-Liberty, we were lacking in some areas. In particular, we hadn't really made the uh, the connection and leap into the digital world, certainly not in the social world. 
That's not to say that we didn't commercialize the rights that we had successfully. Um, at the end of the day, CVC, who owned the company for quite some time, they bought it for a sum of money and sold it for quite a lot more, in addition to taking out quite a lot of money along the way. Um, so, you know, so, some, something was being done right. But um, I think really what everyone recognized um, when, when Liberty bought the company was we were, we, we were a long way behind where we should be um, in terms of building the business, marketing the business in particular, um, and the associated um, opportunities that come with that. Um, so it, it, was, it was quite remarkable to see um, the transition that occurred when Liberty came in and how they, um, under, under the leadership of uh, Chase Carey, of course, and, and who, who then appointed Sean Bradges as the sort of commercial head. But we realized very quickly we had, to, um, we had a lot to do in a short space of time. And quite frankly, yeah, we're, we're, we're behind a lot of other organizations in terms of um, exploring opportunities and, um, and making sure that we were sort of fit for purpose, really, you know, in, in um, today's world. Um, and that involved quite a lot of recruitment, a hell of a lot in some areas. Um, you know, that there was the media rights department, my department. There was an area that, you know, that, that uh, looked after our promoter contracts. But that was about it. Wasn't really any marketing, certainly no sort of social um, team. Uh, the, uh, the individuals we had sort of on the, on the licensing side, was, it was tiny. Um, so there were some areas that really were starting almost from scratch. But we had we had a lot to do in a short space of time, and 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 really, that transition from the way things were that were run the way they were run before, to um to to bringing us up to speed, and and you know I guess making us sort of comparable with other sports organisations. I remember I remember that transition, I suppose, or that around that time pretty well because there was a lot of uh, questions being asked about. With what's Formula One's future because of the lack of investment in the digital side, it's an aging sport, and all these all these things. And fast forward the next few years, and now we're in a position where uh, it's lauded for the youth of the audience. I've seen some of the data that we published uh, around the new Sky deal, which sort of complements and covers some of that. Uh, but before we jump into the Sky deal specific, how has the objectives changed on from your role? Because I imagine you know, you've gone from a a private business in, well, let's go, you're a publicly listed, you're publicly listed business now, private equity firm owned you before, and then the Bernie, Bernie part of the, all that. So is there much difference in how your role has been, has been focused or let's say even on the, the more simplistic side, what you're trying to generate and develop from media rights deals, has that changed much between those three years? Because obviously some people are more worried about just the short-term revenues. Uh, is that just money first and then we'll work out the other stuff later? Is there... Is it, how have you sort of navigated that and how different is it in those sort of three, I don't know if it is three eras, but I kind of see the three key eras. Yeah, look, I think um, a lot has changed. Um, I think on the, on the product side, the bread and butter, let's call it, the, the coverage of sessions on the track, um, we've always been pretty good at that. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to think that we've improved significantly um, over the last five or six years. I, I think our production team has done an amazing job um, quite a large number of small changes, but really sort of focusing on the quality of the coverage, perhaps tighter shots, really trying to sort of um, extenuate the, um, you know, the, the, the speed, the, uh, the noise, the, uh, just the, the nature of what is Formula One. Um, and so I think the product has developed in terms of the quality and also in terms of the breadth of the offering. Um, so 
on a technical side, um, you know, we, we, we've been offering, you know, to those, to those platforms and channels that can take it, um, multiple, multiple feeds. The international feed is clearly what everyone watches uh, around the world. But whether it's uh, onboard camera feeds, whether it's a pit lane channel, more data, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we've really focused on, on the, the, the depth and breadth of, of the on-track action. And then sort of beyond that, um, still in, 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 on the content front, I think probably the, the, the biggest change has been trying to open up the sport. It's true to say that we were, we were very focused before on, 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 on really trying to control what people saw. Um, and, and, and focusing that, 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 um, that attention on the on-track action, um, which, which is necessary. Um, but at the same time, and I think this is endemic with um, uh, quite a number with, with today's society, people want to understand more. They want to learn more about um, you know, their heroes or their, you know, the people that they, that they choose to, to follow and watch. Um, and what we've really, where, where we've most changed is, is trying to open up the sport open up the, uh, the paddock, if you like, um, and reveal the sort of behind the scenes um, elements. I mean, as a, if you look at Formula One as a commercial entity, um, in terms of the, uh, the breadth of content, sure, we have more races than we have ever had in the past, but it's still next year, 24 races used to be sort of hovering around the sort of 18 mark. So it's been creeping up, but it's still incomparable to the NBA who have you know over a thousand matches um, or any... European Football League. Um, so we're, we're never going to compete in terms of sheer number of hours. But where we can um, or probably do have an advantage is, is the depth of our content. You know, we have, you know, we're, we're at an event for minimum three days. The protagonists are there. The teams are there. The drivers are there. There's a lot of um, intrigue. There's a lot of, uh, you know, things going on behind the scenes, whether it's in garages, in the paddock. Over on top of that, there's a lot of uh, data, relevant data. Um, so, in terms of um, the, the, the depth that one can go into, you know, Formula One is, is in a fortunate position in that it can, it can offer a depth of content that most other sports can't. And whether that depth is perhaps for the avid fan who want to know about, um, you know, DRS details or, 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 or different timing, aerodynamics, you know, that side of things, or whether they're more interested in the individuals, the drivers, where they live, you know, how they arrived at the events, you know, what they're doing, that side of things. And, and we're, we're in a fortunate position um, on that front. So before we move, move on from, let's say, the, the past to, to the future or the present, um, that moment you talked about the, the investment or the lack of investment, say, in the social digital side, um, and it was pretty well documented public and Bernie, Bernie in particular was uh, vocal about the reasons why at the time, uh, you know, about the audiences, uh, audience demographics and so forth. In internally, I don't know what you can comfortable sharing or not, but internally, what was the sentiment then pre Liberty coming on board? Because I'm sure Liberty would have brought a whole wave and inertia of like, we're going all in on the digital side. But pre then, were you guys sort of umming and ahhing a lot as to what should actually be done in that space? Or was it always pretty comfortable with that, that segmentation or that focus on we're not going to do social heavily, we're not going to focus on that, we're going to double down on the partnership, the partnership model, I guess, because that's what, what F Formula One was so good at, was the licensing of rights, both TV and otherwise. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that there were, you know, a number of us who thought we were going in the wrong direction and we knew better than um, someone else. Uh, that, that wasn't the case. The fact is there weren't many of us anyway. Yeah. Um, and our focus was, was on, on doing the jobs that, that, that we were employed to do. 
Well, you said before you didn't have a lot of, there was a bit under resource. So probably you're not thinking too no, much other no, than no, getting, no. The, getting the job done, right? You know, my, my core role was, was to sell the core rights to what we felt at the time the most relevant or appropriate partners and to, to make sure those relationships were as good as they could be. Um, and, you know, when you're inside an organization and, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're busy, you're doing what you're paid to do, hopefully, uh, then, um, then um, you know, it, it's, it, it's the classic about hindsight. Um, now I can look back and think, Christ, we really should have been doing some of these things earlier. Uh, but I'm not going to sort of pretend that back then I um, I was a sort of, you know, an agent for change at the time. <laughs> I do wonder, and... I- I don't know they will never ever know this in the it's a hindsight play but I wonder if by holding off it actually helped create because if you look at the engagement levels through social of formula 1 fans it must over index most other sports so I just wonder actually if that that built up or having to wait for it to really kick off may may have paid dividends in in the longer term but we will we'll never never really know that one I don't know that's a question I've asked myself I think there's more than an element of truth in that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that leads us quite nicely into the next segue. We've we've teased it enough now, and you even mentioned, you know, your core roles, you know, working with those partners. And it seems like Sky Sports has been one of those partners. And Nick has mentioned multiple times in the podcast, there might not be a more collaborative relationship between a rights holder and a broadcaster than what Formula One and Sky have in terms of what they're doing, producing additional content beyond just the live events, what they're doing from a marketing perspective, and just really kind of putting you guys front and center and, you know, looking at you guys as a premium property, pushing that out there. So I imagine there probably wasn't any questions about potentially not extending with Sky. But I think one of the things Nick and I talked about was interesting was the length of the deal. Typically what we see in the UK or Europe with other rights holders due to anti-competition laws, some of the deals are a little bit shorter in length. This extension, you know, takes you out to 2000. 29 it's quite a long runway to to be able to to work with those things so maybe just a little bit of background sort of you know maybe how that deal got as long as as it did compared to what we've seen in the 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 region and sort of maybe how that helps you guys strategically knowing you have that secure long-term partnership um yeah sure i think firstly it's important to point out that uh whilst the the agreement in the uk does go um seemingly out for a long time the current deal doesn't finish for a few more years so it's not a seven or eight year contract. Yeah, yeah. No, so I think that's important. Um, similarly, with um, with albeit they, they run all slightly differently. The Italian deal um, mm. was or is scheduled to finish this year. Uh, the German deal won't finish for two more years. So, so the actual length of the deal itself, the the new deal, um, is is not not as long as perhaps um, you, you suggested there. That said, we did it now. Um, we did the extension now, which. In some scenarios, you could construe as being quite early, but I think for us, um, it, it, the timing made sense. As I said, the Italian contract was scheduled to expire at the end of this year. But stepping back from all of that, um, and, and you've touched on this already, um, we hugely value the relationship we have with um, with Sky. It's certainly sort of morphed from the original BBC coming to us, struggling quite frankly, um, and being open to a sort of a shared rights deal. And then if you remember sort of Channel 4, where Channel 4 was the free-to-air component, had a, a quite a lot more content than they currently do. Um, so it, it, it has morphed to where it is now. Um, but I think if we, if, we, if we really sort of step back and look at what Sky have committed from a um, content point of view, I think probably the most important thing was right from the get-go, they created a channel. They probably created, I think I might be right saying, could be wrong, 
um, the F1 channel, probably simultaneously with one or two others. Mm. But it, you know, they moved yeah. from sort of Sky Sports one, two, three, four, whatever it was, yeah. to you know Sky Sports F1. I in, feel like yeah, I case. feel like F1 was the first channel they launched, and then they followed up with doubling down on cricket and other other right. versions as well. That's right. Yeah, and um, I think you know that decision in isolation was hugely hugely valuable. It removed any sort of scheduling issues. I mean, obviously they had multiple channels, so they had less scheduling issues than say a traditional free to air. Uh, public or commercial channel, um, but still remove scheduling issues and also gave them the space to really think about the depth of the content they wanted to offer the fan. I mean, quite frankly, the, um, you know, the, 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 let's, let's focus on the UK for a second, but the same can be said identically for, for Germany um, and for Italy, um, was that the fan was ne- has never been offered the level of and depth of content that they can get from Sky. Um, and that's not just in the form of the on-track sessions and the practice sessions and so on and so forth and, 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 and the you know, driver interviews and, and, and the press conferences and things, but the quality of the analysis, the depth of the analysis, um, both for the avid fan, going back to my point earlier about sort of the technical side of the sport, but also some of the other elements of the sport. You know, we're fortunate enough to, to travel the world. We, we race in some pretty cool places. Um, and I think by having that... Um, space and desire and appetite and commitment, quite frankly, um, they've been able to, to to sort of open up the world of Formula One to um, to existing fans and, and and have definitely brought in new fans. Have you got any other markets or any other broadcast partners that invest so heavily on the shoulder programming, the peripheral content that Sky do out of interest? Look, it's, it's, I think it's difficult to compare one broadcast with another, especially if you're talking about financial yeah. investment, because, you know, an investment from a smaller territory sure. yeah. could be, um, you know, as additive as, 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 as um, a larger investment from a bigger territory. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are genuinely lucky and I'm not just saying this, you know, we have in the likes of sort of Canal Plus, for example, yeah. um, who do a fantastic job um, in France, um, equally a, a partnership with, with Via, Via Play, um, that has been you know, extended quite significantly over the last few years, yeah. but they've been a partner of ours in, in, the, in the Nordic region for quite some time. But are they producing their same level of content yeah. as well around it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, but the other thing that, that should be should be recognised and noted is that um, we, you know Sky license some of their content mm. to our international partners. Um, so it probably it, it used to, it started with their commentary. Yeah, um, and you know that they've always had. Good commentary. Martin Brundle's particularly, um, particularly popular and, and well respected, as he should be. But it's morphed into everyone wants Martin's grid walk, which is hugely popular. Uh, which has morphed into We've got some plenty of headlines over the last few months. Yes, yeah, uh, very much so. Um, it's it's regardless, it's still very very <laughs> popular. Uh, but but over and above that, um, they they do a welcome to the weekend. They do a preview show. So quite an amount of Sky's content is broadcast in Australia or in yeah. South Africa or. or probably most most meaningfully at the moment, at least on ESPN in yeah, America. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, and we work very sort of closely with Sky um, on that because we recognize that, you know, in, in the quality of their content, um, that's going way beyond just the UK. Um, so, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's valuable for us over and above just the contracts where sure. they hold our rights. So to digging into 
the detail and obviously not the commercial stuff because that's obviously you can't share but just the nuts and bolts of it because some of it is shared already and publicly and we've even covered already like in the last i think it's going to be last week's pub when we publish this but uh, the nuts and bolts of what you just talked about that that part let's say the the broadcast production element that sky brings to the table um is that is that something they do independently with espn or is that something that's all part of this mix i'm imagining that this deal that's been announced this renewal etc is probably the most complex or the, at least the largest because you've got multiple markets, different time zones, and now we're in this new streaming world where there's all these extra different layers. So that I don't know if that is, but it feels like it is probably the most one of the more complex deals that exists because it's multi-region, multi-geo, multi-broadcaster, even though it's part of the same family. Uh, but it just takes into the nuts and bolts of of that deal. You know, what what are some of those key parameters that maybe exist consistently uh, across the different markets? Yeah, look, I think um, first of all, you know, that they are three separate contracts, albeit negotiated at the same time, and albeit pretty similar. Uh, but you have to recognise there's some nuances, uh, perhaps in the Italian market or certainly in the German market, yep. um, that have to be respected um, and catered for. And and what are some of those? Is that things like where it was used to be on free to wear? before in some of those the, markets. The free-to-air was- component within all three agreements is, is very similar. Yeah. Um, so, 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 but it, it's more, you know, there's some, some legal issues um, in, in, in each of those markets. Uh, there's a few technical ones that we've, um, we're happy to accommodate. Um, some things around news access and so on and so forth. But I think just in answering your question, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complex, it's a long contract. It's a very long contract. Um, but it is, it, but actually you can strip it back to, one one element that I think is 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 most um, most important, and that that is our ability to deliver to them content and mm-hmm. access to content. So over and above the feeds, you know, they they, they take the international feed like anyone else does anywhere yeah. in the world. But because of their investment in the technology, because of their um, their overarching offering, over and above just the F one channel, whether it's Red Button, whether it's it's simultaneous coverage online, you know. Now TV, they have an ability to offer multiple streams. So we've we've made sure that they get access to as many different raw feeds or ingredients, if you like, that they can use that will be additive. Whether that is twenty onboard camera feeds, other channels, pit lane channel data, um, timing data, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'd say that the, the 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 new deal that we have done builds on. They already had very extensive. Yeah access to that but builds on that because we recognize that by almost arming them with as much content as possible relevant content it will help them make the best formula one offering but equally i imagine they're giving they're making some commitments to you on the amount of coverage that what, what how they're using that access yeah of course yeah um, you know we, we we've we talked long and hard about the sort of depth of their coverage yeah um, and also their ability to make um, additional programming. You know that, for example, they, they launched um, a few months back um, Any Driven Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, which which I thought was very interesting because it's clearly targeted at a slightly different demographic. Um, it is it is on their channel, but it's also on YouTube. Uh, Geo blocked. Hasten to add. Um, but um, you know that that in itself is a, is a, is an interesting and valuable. I'm not going to say experiment because it's more than an experiment, but it but it's it's them looking at their offering and think, how can we actually 
you know, put something together that is more targeted for perhaps a slightly different demographic. Is that is that effectively in one sort of one sentence? I suppose uh, is that like a a weekly after the sh- after yeah. the event? Yeah, I remember talking to Jonathan Licht about that, and I, suge- I suggested that. So I'm going to say you that was my oh, that's my idea. <laughs> I'm sure he'll uh, throw it back in my face and say, yeah, yeah, good one, Nick. Yeah. But but it's just an example yeah, where yeah, they're you know they're they're not afraid to experiment. Um, and again, this comes back to where. It's a, there's a much broader point, which I'd quite like to go into, uh, which is which, which really touches on what, what we as a business and certainly being um, supported by Liberty have been focused on, uh, particularly over the last, well, since they've really bought the business, but certainly over the last few years. We, we, we're super keen to expand our footprint. We recognize that we've always super served the Avid fan because we can. It's, it's, it's easy. There's a lot of content, a lot of data. But... We recognise, as, as as I'm sure every sport does, that um, you know, generally speaking, sports audiences are you know rather too old than you prefer, and perhaps rather too male. Um, and and like other organisations, we've worked long and hard to try and um, try and sort of alter that makeup. Um, and we want to make sure that we 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 have different types of offerings in different areas, and that's where you know certainly something like social comes into play. Um, Any driven Monday is just a very specific example, but Sky, I think, also recognised this, and that you know they, they 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 obviously have multiple sports rights that they um, they uh, they they control, um, and um, I'm sure they think long and hard about you know their offering and the ability to bring in new fans because that that's ostensibly what we want to do and have been working hard to do, bringing in new fans, uh, but recognising that different fans come from different. Um, different areas and you know if you come in off the back of because you follow you know xyz drivers instagram account if your next offering in formula one is a two-hour race program with all sorts of um you know sort of complications let's face it it is a complicated sport then you know you might find that a bit of a leap Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that there's different types of content um formula one related content that that is somewhere along the road and quite frankly if someone doesn't make it to getting up at six in the morning to watch a two-hour show from um, from Suzuka and sitting through an hour's worth of red flag because it's raining, you know, if they don't make it all that way, no problem. Um, as long as they're interacting with the sport somewhere along the line, and 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 that is a very much a, a sort of philosophy that we that we are pursuing at the moment generally, um, and I think um, Sky recognise that and and recognise it's something that they want to do as well. Um, so you know, we're we're very aligned in terms of our desires to to broaden the footprint of formula one gotta be honest nick he mentioned rain in australia the stereotype they have in america is it's just a desert out there and it never rains so i didn't even know that was a thing but uh you know so australia actually, in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well one of the the things uh you know this is the stream time podcast so it is focused a bit on the stream time ott side there is the f1 tv offering you know how does this deal impact uh that basically that platform i think one of the things that we've talked about in some of our previous podcasts and some of our guests, one of the big things is about how can you take the same race, same event, but produce it in multiple different ways, which is one of the things F1 TV has been able to do with different uh, different cameras, different coverage. You know, wh- do you see that at some point getting ingrained into some of these relationships where you start taking some of that content, particularly around the live events, incorporating that into there? Maybe what F1 TV's purpose is, is some of these deals become more exclusive? Yeah, I, look, I think... Um... When it comes to F1 TV, you know, it needs to be said, we're, we're very happy with the product. 
as I'm sure is the case for most people that launch um, launch a streaming service, we, we had some technical teething problems, let's call it that, um, in, in its um, early iterations. Um, but as, as a product, we're super happy with it. And as I've already sort of said on a few occasions just now, we're lucky in that we can furnish it with a great deal of uh, different, different content. Um, I think the interesting element is, is, is how it's commercially made available. And, you know, you mentioned the Sky Deal, F1 TV Pro, which is the live, the live um, service that has never been available in, um, in the UK, let's say, mm-hmm. and, and Italy. Um, and that's something that, you know, when, when we look at a market and we look at the rights opportunity, we have to sort of balance off. Is this a market where F1 TV Pro should be launched, can be launched? Does it impact on the commercials of the core rights deal? Does it not? Can be? Can it be launched in conjunction um, with the rights holder? You know, if you think about a sort of um, on on one end of a deal, perhaps we might take a position where you know we'll sell someone exclusivity, but absolutely we'll carve out the right to put F1 TV into the market, regardless. And then at the other end of the deal, we absolutely won't put F1 TV into the market because it doesn't make sense. And I'll come back to that in a second. And then somewhere between those two points, you have a, an array of different opportunities whether that's to do something in conjunction with the people that you're selling the core rights to, which we have examples of in, in a number of markets. It, 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 you know, perhaps if you are a, a level of a subscriber to the people we sell the rights to, you get access to F1 TV through an authentication system. Uh, perhaps it's just separately marketed and, and um, there's a revenue share. So the, the great thing about the product is that there are quite a number of different options. And I think what we've learned over the last few years in particular is that it's, it's – um, Another cliche coming up, horses for courses. Uh, but it genuinely is is a flexible offering. Going back more specifically to Sky and and, and, and the UK and, and will be Germany and Italy where F1 TV Pro is not available, we look at the deal, we look at the, um, quite frankly, the, 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 the revenue that they're prepared to pay for the rights. But just as importantly, we look at the, you know, and, and I've already touched on this, their content offering already and their technology. And... I'm not saying they have F1 TV Pro as, you know, it's not a replication of, of what we do. But ultimately, it is, it is a level of coverage that is very sophisticated and does the job. You know, I don't think anyone would look at Sky and, and, the, and the depth of their offering and say, well, you know, we'd prefer that if it included X, Y, Z because it's already there. So when we enter into a market or we think about a renewal in a market, we, we go in with a very open mind. Um, F1 TV is, is, and I'm sure will continue to be an important part of our, our, um, our business. Um, and, and the subscriber numbers are growing significantly. Um, and we're very pleased with it, but at the same time, we recognize it's got to be, it's got to be flexible. And, and if a hybrid approach makes sense, or as we've done in the UK, um, and, and not put it into the market, if that makes sense, then that's the, that's the route we'll pursue. Out of interest, what? Are there many other markets that F1 TV Pro is not available? Obviously, this excluding out of the Sky markets because, yeah, for all the things we, reason we've talked about. Um, currently, there are yeah, quite a, quite a number. It's not available in in um, in Asia um, generally at the moment. That's primarily because we had an, uh, a, quite a long term deal with with Fox Fox Sports. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that, that precluded us from putting it into the market, that's obviously fallen away. So we're now looking on a sort of territory by territory basis and, and we're looking at where the opportunities are. Um, what we're also sort of quite keen to do where, where we have the right is um, it, it, 
It's not just the fact that it might we you know our rights you know the core rights deal allows us to put it in the market. It's how we put it into the market. And uh, you know we we, we uh, launched a deal in Brazil a while ago. Um, we have a free to air partner in Brazil with Bandeirantes, um, who also put content on their band sport, which is a pay a pay channel. But the majority of all the races are are, are free. But also F1 TVs in the Brazilian market now. That's quite a difficult market, so we've 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 completed a deal with um, Claro, it's a telco. So that's an example where effectively F1 TV can be made available to Claro subscribers through an authentication system. Um, they already having a billing relationship. They already have God knows how many millions of subscribers. Um, that for us is is a really important step because it's just another way of making the product available rather than just buying it through um, any number of different stores. Um, and we're looking to roll that relationship out. We're, we're hopefully, fingers crossed, as we speak now, um, about to go live in Mexico with a, with a similar, uh, with Telmex and Telcel, uh, a similar authentication arrangement. Um, so it's it's important that we don't just sort of think about the rights construction and how we can get the product in the market. It's, you know, what, what is the opportunity beyond that? Yeah, uh, well, I'm conscious that we've only got, got about five minutes or so left with you. So I'll... I'll John, I want to just ask one more question around this before we, we move on to a couple other things quickly, quick, more quick fire, I guess, from, from us. Um, the, what I, I did, so I looked a bit online and on social, and obviously social media is such an empirically objective mm. platform. But one, one of the things I picked up on there from just looking through different comments and so forth is they, people love the F1 TV product, F1 TV Plus product, high quality, all the different features that you've talked about. They don't get that at Sky. Sky do a great production, their own production, but they don't get some of the features that all those other markets do get. Uh, I know you've talked about the economics and that makes complete sense. That's quite standard. I guess my question to you is, um, will you push Sky to perhaps do more with the innovation on that, even though they're doing a great job? Is that something that you would you would do? Um, and what was my other part to that question? Uh, and oh, that's right. And consider... Even further, putting the F1 TV product, you know, Sky uh, are very actively talking about they want to be the platform of choice. You know, they're, they're being the aggregator now. Putting F1 TV as a pro- proposition of F1 TV Plus or alike actually into their own platforms as well. Is that something you guys have discussed? Yeah, we did, we did discuss that. Um, I think to, to the other point about would we push them to do more, I don't think we need to push them because they will. Um, and as I said, part of this... Uh, the new agreement was us making sure that we furnish them with all of the raw ingredients that effectively go into F1 TV Pro, and that's made available to them. Um, so let's yeah, let's get, let's keep things moving. Well, just, uh, it's more of it's obviously a topic that comes up time and time again. I know you particularly have an angle that you want to take it on, so we try to approach it in a slightly different way. Obviously, Drive to Survive is something that's you know kind of top of mind for everybody in the sports industry. Is something people um, are trying to reach to, aspire to. Um, but Nick, I know you had a conversation with the. Uh, Ian was probably getting very excited that we weren't going to mention Drive to Survive just because it's been so talked about, um, and probably he's asked about it every single time. But we're going to bring it up one more time for you, um, Mike. My question for you is: uh, It's been lauded as a huge achievement and success story. Actually, we had you speak at one of our conferences many years ago at Tottenham Stadium with Paul Martin. I didn't do many of them, so I did. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Uh, and it was great because it was, I think it was just after, maybe it was the beginning or midway through the second season filming, yeah. if I remember correctly. And Paul was talking about the fact that they had to start filming even before you guys knew if there was going to be a deal in place with Netflix and so forth. And it was a really interesting story. Just how, how, does, how does it sit with you, I guess, that, 
it almost is it's almost just full the fallback is drive to survivors solved all of formula one's challenges on the audience demographics and i remember even speaking to yeah, jonathan licked on sky sports uh from, from sky sports the interview i did with him and he was like, they'd like to take a little bit of the credit too for all the investment and so yeah, forth they've done into, into that. Obviously, Formula One's done a lot on an incredible amount on digital. You've talked about the uh, the development of that. I would also throw in the mix there. Uh, I do question, I think Drive to, Survive, Drive to Survive would have had an impact, but would have had the same impact if it was launched three or four years ago and someone else had been first because that first mover... I just wanted you. You've seen everyone now trying. Everyone's trying to do their own version of it. Every single comp, every single rights owner is getting asked about that. I just wonder if it would have had that same impact that or perceived impact versus what all the other things that you're doing. Ian, discuss. Uh, there's a lot of questions <laughs> in that question. There was a lot of. I don't know if there was actually a question. Other yeah, than, here's my thoughts. Well, no uh, um, what do you think? Yeah. Look. So a couple of things. Um, there were sort of previous um, iterations of, you know, let's call it this sort of um, sport not documentary, but, you know, um, fly on the wall, I don't know, terrible phrase. But, you know, yeah. uh, you know, those hard knocks, last chance you. Uh, I think the, the genre has grown. Yeah, it's true to say that we were um, we were quite early in that. You know, there's the Amazon All or Nothing programs. Um, but I think um, we have an inherent advantage in the sense that um, there's an awful lot going on in the background in Formula 1. Yeah. It's one, it's one of probably the most few sports where the fans are so connected with the yeah. business yeah. off the field stuff. And, um, you know, we only, but we, you know, if you take the drivers, you know, there's 20 of them. They're all articulate. They are generally intelligent. They are photogenic. They're, you know, they're, they're interesting people. Um, and if you throw in, and certainly more recent episodes, of, uh, more recent series have probably focused a little more on, on the team principles. We don't need to see, you know, there's some big, big stories on that. And, and if, if, in, in many ways, they are, they are just as, I mean, they're clearly hugely important within the business, but they're, they're just as interesting and throw up um, plenty of storylines. So the, the, there's, it's, a rich, uh, it's a rich environment from which to make a series. Um, credit needs to go to box to box to make it. They're very good. Netflix have been hugely supportive. And um, really the teams, the teams generally bought into it quite early um you know famously two teams didn't in in series one but um big respect that they they um they had their reasons and sensible reasons but um came in clearly after series one um and you know with, without their um without their support we would have never got the access that we we get to the other sports looking to do something similar you know good luck i think the genre has grown i think lockdown helped the genre i think last dance helped the genre um, but you know, we've got a fantastic production company to make it. Netflix is a great platform. Um, and we, along with the, uh, with the teams, the drivers remain supportive. And, you know, we, we, we renewed earlier this year for uh, a, a two season extension. I worry every time that the new series drops, you know, are we going to get the same numbers? But, you know, we, we, we've just seen this wonderful, fantastic increase in, in viewership. And, you know, Jonathan's right in the UK, Sky needs to take an awful lot of credit. In the same way, in the US, um, ESPN should take a lot of credit for the uh, for the growth, but um, you know that's clearly a market that Formula One desires to grow in, um, and we're working hard. You know, we had our race in Miami this year, have the race in Las Vegas next year. Drive to Survive has been hugely additive in the US, and um, you know, but it, it makes us think about content. It makes us think. You know, if you're a fan and you come in through the through Drive to Survive, a little bit like the example I used earlier with. Um, following a driver on Instagram, you need to sort of think about the content offering. And uh, I saw a statistic the other day and 
can't remember. It might have been new US fans or may have been just new fans. 44% of them had never heard of M Michael Schumacher. Which to you know to to the initiated yeah, seems seems yeah. odd, but it's very easy to lose sight of 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 um, where you need to be pitching your content, and um, you know it's my desire that over and above Drive to Survive we have other programs in other genres. I'd like us to have something in you know that, that is um, that is is essentially for children, whether that's animation or something else. I'd like to have something that focuses on on the places that we race, whether that is you know travel, food hotels, whatever it might be, but always with a link back to the sport. But as I said, this this continuation of trying to broaden our footprint, um, as I said, linking back to the sport, but making sure that we, we have a variety of different offerings for a, ver a variety of different fans. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we are at the end of our time. I know we could have taken that conversation much longer, but we do appreciate your time, Ian. We do appreciate some of your candid answers and all that. And I'm sure, Nick, you'd agree it's uh, been a great interview and we very appreciative of you hosting us in this wonderful venue as well. It really gets us in the, the mood of being in Formula One yeah, territory. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks very much. Before you go, myself and Nick would just like to thank you for tuning into this episode of Streamtime. If you found the episode insightful, please make sure you like and subscribe on whichever platform you listen to. As a growing podcast, we'd greatly appreciate your support in sharing or writing a review. Ultimately, we want this podcast to not only entertain you, but also hopefully help you navigate the digital sports landscape. If you have any feedback on previous episodes or any topics and speakers you'd like to hear from in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find myself and Nick Meacham on LinkedIn or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at SportsProChris1. Nick can be found at SportsProNick. Of course, if you want to stay fully up to date on the sports business news cycle, please make sure to visit the Sports Pro Media website or sign up to one of our several newsletters to make sure you don't miss anything. Once again, thank you, and we look forward to you joining us next week on the Streamtime Podcast.